Welcome to Coaching for a Living, a podcast for coaches who want to build financially viable coaching businesses and make a living doing what they love. I'm your host, Alisa Barkan, and I am thrilled to have you here. Are you ready to take the next step in your coaching business? Let's go. Hello, hello, onion rings. Welcome back to another episode of Coaching for a Living, friends. Today, we are joined by Tammy Guller-Loeb, who is the author of Work from the Inside Out, Break Through Nine Common Obstacles and Design a Career That Fulfills You. Tammy is a career and executive coach, speaker and facilitator with expertise in career transitions and leadership development. Her weekly podcast, Work from the Inside Out, showcases career transition stories of people who found more meaningful work. Tammy's expertise has appeared in Forbes, Fast Company, the Boston Globe and Harvard Business Review Ascend. She holds a BA in psychology from Hampshire College and an MBA from Boston University. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited to have you and I'm excited for our listeners to uh, hear what you have to say. Why don't we start with your story of becoming a coach? Sure. I've been a coach for over 20 years, so I started coaching when coaching was called life coaching. It was really in its infancy. There were only a handful of coaching programs out there. It was a very new field. I had started my career many years prior to that, doing work in the mental health field, fundraising. I worked in public policy and politics for a while. I also worked in higher ed administration. And over the years, after doing a number of different things, all of which I I enjoyed each one of those in different ways, but I found myself, I think prior to finding coaching, I was doing a lot of fundraising and administration work. And I realized that I was really losing touch with helping people directly, which my roots were really in that mental health piece of things. I didn't want to go back to mental health work per se, but I still wanted to help people more directly. So I started thinking about what to do next. I already had my MBA and I thought maybe I need another master's degree. So I started looking into that. And then a friend of mine mentioned that her husband was working with a coach. What's a coach? So I got the name of his coach, sat down, spoke with her, and literally the minute she started describing to me what coaching was, I realized that's it. That's what I want to do. It's, and she distinguished it from counseling. I was very familiar with that. And I knew that was it because it, it was a a very positive way to help people look at where they are in their lives now and where they want to go and helping facilitate people's process of growing and moving in in a direction they want to go in or helping them figure that out. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. And the way she articulated it, it it just spoke to me. And honestly, I, I never looked back from there. So that's how I became a coach. I looked into some programs, found one that really suited me, signed up. And about a year later, I was certified. And I studied coactive coaching through the Coaches Training Institute, which I believe has been renamed now the Coactive Training Institute, I think it's called now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So have you always done career coaching from the beginning? Mm -hmm. or? Yes, I, yeah. I did. I, I've always been interested in what people do for work and how they make choices around their careers and how they spend really the better part of their adult lives. When you think about it, we spend more time at work than we do almost anything else during those primary years of our lives. We spend more time at work than we do with our families or we do sleeping or other things that are really top priorities in our lives. And I don't know that I was able to articulate that back then, but I've realized it over the years that work takes up a huge part of our lives. And I've always been someone, as I mentioned earlier, that I, I moved into a number of different fields earlier in my career. I always put a high premium on finding something to do for work that meant something to me that I found satisfying and rewarding. So I think I've always put a high premium on that and really was always fascinated by the choices and the kinds of things that I noticed other people were doing. My parents both were in lines of work that they enjoyed quite a bit, and I was really influenced by that as well. And they encouraged me to find something that I would enjoy doing that I would find fulfilling. So. I think I had a lot of that kind of in my DNA. Also, when I was in my undergrad years, I had a job on campus working in the Career Center. And I helped out with things like helping people with their resumes or helping uh, students think about options for graduate school and helping to set up workshops that were gonna be offered on campus. And I loved doing all of that. So I think I think the seeds were planted pretty early on. Yeah, in hindsight, yeah. when we look back, we're always wiser and we, we go like, oh, I know why that happened. Yeah. It all brought me to this place where I am Absolutely. Now. But I love your mission, Tammy, to help people find more meaning in their work. Mm -hmm. Because like you say, we spend so much time working sometimes more time than we spend with our family and loved mm -hmm. ones we might as well enjoy it and do something that means something for us that's meaningful. that's what i think and yet at the same time i'm not one of those coaches who says find your passion find your dream job if you do that's great and just find something that gives you contentment or fulfills you that feels good I'm not suggesting that everybody has to save the world, but find something that does mean something to you. And becoming a coach, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. There's all kinds mm -hmm. of coaches and coaches can do a lot of different things with that kind of a career. And you can build on something that you've already done and, and build that expertise into it. So there's a lot of flexibility. But I think that oftentimes people will tend to go towards something that that they have strengths in, but they don't always blend that with something that they enjoy. And so sometimes they find themselves getting stuck in a career that they're very good at, but they don't necessarily like it. So mm. I always say sort of stop and take a pause and think about if you find yourself having trouble getting up in the morning or dreading Sunday nights or dreading Monday mornings, even if you're really good at what you do, think about what would make it 
more enjoyable or whether there's something else that you might like better. Chances are you'd be good at that as well. As a career coach, obviously you've done this for 20 years, you've worked with so many people. What did you notice was the biggest obstacle your clients face when it comes to uh, their careers and finding fulfillment through their work? What seems to be the biggest obstacle is that people have a set of beliefs or even one or two beliefs about how things should be or should have progressed in their lives to a certain point. And when those expectations were not met, they fill their heads with self-criticism, self-doubt. They think that because of that, that if they were to make a change, that they would have to start all over again, or that they would have to take two steps backwards. Now, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be true in some cases, depending on the kinds of things that they might want to do. But I would also say that in most cases, you don't have to take two steps backwards or start all over again because you get to bring all the skills, all the experiences you've already had with you, even if you use them in different ways or just have them as part of your background. But you don't throw everything away that you've ever done stepping into something new. You're really just stepping into something new and adding to what you want to do next. So I think that what happens is when people are making a change, change can be scary, even if it is exciting. But when people are afraid, they go to this kind of all or nothing thinking. And so it's either this way or that way. And there's no in between. And when there's no in between, they're not thinking very creatively. They're not thinking with a curious mindset. And when they're not thinking with curiosity, they miss all the possibilities that might be available to them. And that's where I see where I come in, is start to ask some of those open-ended, curious, or powerful questions, as we say in coaching. And that really yeah. helps to open somebody up to look at what's possible for them. Absolutely. And you do that beautifully in your book. Um, I'm honored to have been included. Yes. Um, and here I have it in front of me. Um, so in your book, Work From the Inside Out, you mention nine such obstacles. You just described one. Uh, give us some more examples about other obstacles that people face when it comes to essentially making changes in mm -hmm. their career, whether they change jobs or they change careers altogether to find more meaningful mm -hmm. work. What are some, some other obstacles that you can uh, share mm -hmm. with the audience? So in the book, I name nine obstacles, the primary one being that they're mostly based on, you know, that fear kind of drives them. So one of them is, uh, one of the chapters is called, it's never too late. A lot of people will think that, oh, I'm too old, no one will ever hire me, or it's too late, I don't wanna go back to school, or I can't afford it. And I share three stories of three people that I've known in my life, one of whom's a former client, who all changed careers pretty dramatically, actually, at ages 40 plus. One of them was in, in her early 40s. Another person was 58 when he changed careers. And all of them did it successfully and 
really, I'd say, pretty delightfully. Now, each of them had their own circumstances and their own journey, but the point being that those kinds of changes, they don't happen overnight. None of them did it overnight, and I think that's where the all-or-nothing thinking has to be dispelled. But I want to show the readers that it's possible. Another chapter in the book is, I have too many responsibilities. I have a family. I have children that I need to put through university, or maybe I have aging relatives that I'm taking care of, or I have other financial obligations. I couldn't afford to take a pay cut if I'm starting all over again. All these obstacles and stories that people tell themselves that they believe, they really believe these things are true. And so they create the whole story. They've got a crystal ball. They've predicted the future, what it would look like. And so they've talked themselves out of it before they've even looked into it and gotten more information to decide what might be possible. And what I love about the stories in the book is all the stories in the book show very real stories of people who've actually stepped into those situations and made these things happen. So in that chapter, I tell two different stories. One is of a young family, and they had a dream of opening a bread bakery. It took them seven years, but they did it. Another scenario in that chapter is of a single parent who decided she wanted to move somewhere else and open up a coffee shop after being an investigative journalist. So there are lots of ways people make these things happen. I'm not suggesting that people would necessarily go about their job change or their career change in the same way that the people did in the book. But I think that at least when you can see what's possible, it gives you at least a framework for seeing how someone else went about it. And maybe that would give you at least a spark or a starting point for thinking about what might be possible for you. Another chapter in the book is careers are not formed in a straight line. And in that chapter, I tell stories about people who you know, started off in one place and went in a few different directions, which many of us have done, as you have, right? And I love, love, love your story because you really do show a lot of the key ideas about how somebody can go about making decisions. And yet, no one's saying it's easy. You didn't say it was easy, but I love the way your story unfolds because it really does illustrate for someone how you might think things through, ask yourself some good questions, but then step into the unknown a little bit here and there and say, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to give this a try. And yet doing it with your eyes wide open, knowing that you either have certain things in place so that you have a backup plan. You know, that's the thing. I think some people think that when they're going to make a change, that they're going to do it without any safety net in place. And mm -hmm. I would say, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> yeah. don't do it that way. Like, I, that's why I say I'm not telling people to go out and get a dream job and just drop everything. I'm saying make a good plan. Every person that I profile in the book had 
made plans. And when they did take a leap of faith, they did it with a backup plan. They also did it knowing it might not work out the way they wanted it to. In fact, most things, even when they do work out in a good way, it's not exactly the way they planned on it working out. Oh, that's life. Testify to that for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's life. Yeah. But I think what we have in common, Tammy, and thank you for the kind words, is the fact that we believe in possibilities. Yes. If it's possible for someone else, um, or even if it's possible for me to hold it in my imagination, then it's possible. Absolutely. Right? So let me see what I can make out of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, there might be people listening to this episode who are looking to become a coach as a way to find more meaning in their work, or maybe career coaches who help their clients overcome some of these obstacles mm. that you've just described. Mm -hmm. um, I know in the book you have, at the end of each chapter, a series of questions and reflection exercises mm -hmm. that people can do. So let's give the audience some examples of questions or exercises that they can try mm -hmm. either on their own or with their clients. Yes, these are a both and. Everything that's in the book is something that people who are either considering a coaching career or at the beginning of a coaching career, but wanting to sort of deepen their self-knowledge or deepen their practice, as well as using this with clients, I think all of this can work in that way. One of the questions that I think is really helpful is think about a time when somebody thanked you for something that you did and it left you feeling really good. What is it that they thanked you for? It's a great way to get grounded in some of the things that you really value in yourself. Usually when someone thanks you for something that leaves you with that good feeling, it's, it helps you to, to get connected with yourself. And I think one of the keys to being a great coach and one of the keys to helping your clients is helping them to connect with who they are from the inside out. How about that? <laughs> and so when we connect with that at that sort of in, internal values-based place, it's usually something about ourselves that hasn't been taught to us, but just a quality within ourselves that we value. What's the impact that we're having or that we want to be having? The other way you can get at some of that information is even to ask people who know you well, people who've worked with you or people who you feel close to and say, when we've worked together, what's something that you've noticed that I bring to the table? And it's not that you're looking for platitudes or flattery, you're asking for something of value of substance. And it might sound like you're a little full of yourself, but I think you want to explain to people why it is that you're asking for these things. That it could be that you're trying to come up with some good language for branding for your business. It could be that you're suggesting this to a client because they're trying to develop a good summary statement for their LinkedIn profile or for their resume. Getting that information is very, very important because when people hire you as a coach or when your clients are going to be hired, let's say they're looking for a new role or they're looking to change careers, the most important thing is not what you do, it's who you are. So that's 
that's an activity that applies in a lot of ways. The other exercise I have in the book that it's not the easiest one to do, but I, I do draw it out in great detail. I give pretty thorough instructions about how to write your own eulogy. And I, mm. I really think that that's a great exercise, again, for connecting with yourself from the inside going out. And given that the book is really all about that, connecting with yourself so that you can bring the best in yourself to the rest of the world and have the impact you want to have, it's, it's a great exercise. And it, and it really gives you a lot of great step-by-step -step instructions for how to frame that, how to think about that. So it's really not about you being dead. It's about the impact that you have. And it even goes into some detail about imagining what people sitting in the audience at your funeral might be wanting to say about how they valued you and what you brought to their lives. So it, it gives you a chance to think about what kind of impact do you want to have? What value do you want to bring to your clients or to a company? That's really the point of that kind of an exercise. The other thing that I want to offer anyone listening is an expanded workbook that comes in addition to the exercises that are included in the book. And that's something that we can include in a link with the yeah. show notes. We will for sure include yeah. the link to the expanded version in the show yeah. notes. I love the entire book, but <laughs> the last chapter, <sighs> it's called, It's Time to Act. Mm. And in that chapter, you offer readers a few pieces of advice, mm -hmm. but two of them resonated strongly mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. me. And they were, be open to possibilities and consider yourself a lucky person. Mm. Let's talk about these two for a moment and why they are so important. Yeah. Well, they really go hand in hand. So I'm going to start with the lucky person part first, because how often do we hear somebody say, oh, I was just lucky, you know, when something good happened to them? I think that's a great way for someone to not take ownership when, in fact, something good happened because they showed up in some way. Even someone who wins the lottery, they had to go buy the mm. ticket. They had to go... <laughs> and show up and take some kind of initiative to make that happen. Now, you might say, yeah, but you know, they were lucky. All right, yeah, they were lucky to some degree, but if they didn't go buy the ticket, they couldn't have won the lottery. Um, but I do think that when you make that more of a conscious process, when you show up and there's lots of ways to show up or to step into situations, into opportunities and they can be very subtle at times that's when you are open to more possibilities and it doesn't mean that you have to always be super conscious about it but it's almost like working a muscle it becomes a habit so for example if I'm at a, a social gathering where I'm not trying to be a coach I'm not trying to tell people about my business but yet it undoubtedly, somebody amongst the guests at a party might say, so how's coaching going? I'm going to talk about how coaching is going or what I'm up to these days. And I would say probably seven or eight times out of 10, somebody overhears me saying something and they come up to me or they pull me aside privately and they say, I need to talk to you. And we make an appointment. Sometimes I get a new client that way. Now, 
I'm not trying to get clients at a party. I'm not on, you know, all the time, but I can tell you, I've gotten clients at parties. You know, we can call that networking. We can call that whatever you want. Now, would I say I was just lucky? No, I'm just showing up as me. Somebody asks me a question and I show up with my general enthusiasm and love for what I do. I've had this happen in coffee shops where I've had clients who want to meet with me in public. Now, I tend not to want to do that because I think these conversations should be confidential, but there are some people who don't care about that. And on more than one occasion, I've had strangers come up to me who have overheard parts of the conversation and have said to me, I like what I heard you saying. Do you have a card? So am I lucky? Well, yeah, but you know why I'm lucky? Because I show up and I do what I do well and I do what I love. I think it's also a, a matter of mindset and not thinking of yourself as an unlucky person. Oh, that's never going to happen to right. me. Oh, there's a million other people, a million other career coaches thinking that some things for you are simply impossible. Right. And I, I guess that's how I relate to it. Mm -hmm. I am of the opinion that you make your own luck. And yes, some things like the, the lottery thing, there might be a bit more luck involved in that. But if you go to a networking event or a party or even deliver something with the mindset of, oh, they're not going to like it. No one's going to listen to this. They're going to be bored. Yeah. Uh, nobody knows what I'm talking about when I talk about coaching or something like that. Of course, it's very unlikely that people will be attracted to that kind of negative energy, right. which you are emanating, even if you don't right. realize right. it. So it's how you prepare yourself and how you think of yourself as well before you go out and show up and do what you do, right? Like on a normal basis, not necessarily selling or doing it. Exactly. I agree with that. I think it is a mindset thing and it's what you described sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And really expectations. You could also create expectations that something great's going to happen. And you know what? It may mm. not happen. Mm. Many years ago, I decided to just not have any expectations. And I find that the more I stay unattached to my expectations, because the, the expectations do kind of float into your mind anyway, it's human, but I try to stay mm. unattached then um, then I'm never really disappointed. It just kind of move on to the next thing. It really helps a whole lot. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned um, mindset, mm -hmm. um, tell me about the biggest mindset shift that you had to go through in order to find meaning in your work and to become the successful career and executive coach that you are today. I actually think what I just mentioned about being unattached to outcomes mm. was actually a big one for me. People ask me about this pretty regularly. They'll say to me, so how do you sell yourself? New, new coaches often ask me, how do you sell yourself? I say, mm. it's not about me. I don't sell myself. If people ask me about coaching or I want to tell people about coaching, I tell them what I believe I can offer. I tell them what I think the benefits are of coaching, but it's not about me. The more I make it about me, the more attached I am and the less good fortune I have. 
That's the way I put Mm -hmm. it. And yet there is an assumption I make with that. And that is that I just keep putting one foot in front of the other, just keep looking forward. And I assume that whoever I'm meant to be working with will show up. But, but that doesn't mean that I don't put some conscious effort into gearing some of the programs I plan or some of the work that I do or some of the messaging that I put out either through my own podcast or uh, my social media or some of the other content I put out. It doesn't mean that I don't put out specific messages towards certain people and certain demographics that I'm appealing to. I do, but I'm not sitting waiting to see, you know, how many likes and how many comments and, and Mm -hmm. monitoring everything to see who answered me and all of that, because that, that then just becomes about me. I'm trying to add value out there. I'm trying to get as many people as I can to see that their work life can be integral to their life, that it doesn't have to be such a separate entity between work and life, that life is life and your work is a big part of it. Enjoy yourself. And that's not about me. So I really encourage people to try to stay as unattached as possible to the outcome. So I started that mostly with when I offer a complimentary session to a prospective client. And sometimes I love talking to somebody and I hope, of course, I hope they'll hire me. But the minute we complete that initial call, I sometimes don't know whether they're going to hire me or not. I have to let it go and I have to move on Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not to say that I won't follow up with them or that I might not try to reach out again, but I really have to take my ego and park it because if I don't, it's just going to destroy me. (laughs) It's no, no good. It's, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about the client and being detached from outcomes. Um, I think it's really difficult to do that when you're in the beginning. So you can tell that you've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, It took a Um, long time to get there, but once I was able to really get that in my bones, it's, it's been so liberating. So Tammy, you've built this business for the last 20 years. You have now come out with a book, which was really exciting and I'm sure exhausting. (laughs) What is next for you and your business? Well, I've developed a keynote speech. So I'm looking to do some speaking. I want to try to reach more people and encourage more people to think about enjoying their work. And I'm also developing some online courses to try to also reach a broader group of people because one-on-one coaching is more of a premium offering. And I know that there are people out there who would like to think about what they're going to do next. And and for some people, one-on-one coaching might feel a little out of reach, but yet there's a lot that they can benefit from, from taking a course. And so I'm beginning to set some of those things up so that I can try to help as many people as I can. It's all about making an impact. Absolutely. It sounds like you are perfectly geared for it. Thank you so much, Tammy, for sharing everything you've shared with us today. 
I'm pretty sure that our listeners are going to want to get in touch with you. So I'm going to leave the details in the show notes below. And it was a pleasure having you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a pleasure being here. You ask great questions. And I want to encourage anyone watching this to feel free to invite me to be LinkedIn and let me know that you saw this program so that I know how you found me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coaching for a Living. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to help the podcast grow, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with your coaching friends and colleagues. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alisa Barkin, and I'll catch you next time.